Part One, Chapter Fifteen of the Idiot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. The Idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Eva M. Martin. Part One, Chapter Fifteen. Katya, the maidservant, made her appearance terribly frightened. "'Goodness knows what it means, ma'am,' she said. "'There is a whole collection of men come, all tipsy, and want to see you. They say that it's Rogozhin, and she knows all about it.' "'It's all right, Katya. Let them all in at once.' "'Surely not all, ma'am. They seem so disorderly. It's dreadful to see them.' yes all katya all every one of them let them in or they'll come in whether you like or no listen what a noise they are making perhaps you are offended gentlemen that i should receive such guests in your presence i am very sorry and ask your forgiveness but it cannot be helped and i should be very grateful if you could all stay and witness this climax however just as you please of course the guests exchanged glances they were annoyed and bewildered by the episode but it was clear enough that all this had been prearranged and expected by nastasia philipovna and that there was no use in trying to stop her now for she was little short of insane besides they were naturally inquisitive to see what was to happen there was nobody who would be likely to feel much alarm there were but two ladies present one of whom was the lively actress who was not easily frightened and the other the silent german beauty who it turned out did not understand a word of russian and seemed to be as stupid as she was lovely her acquaintances invited her to their at-homes because she was so decorative she was exhibited to their guests like a valuable picture or vase or statue or fire-screen as for the men ptitsin was one of rogozhin's friends ferdishenko was as much at home as a fish in the sea gania not yet recovered from his amazement appeared to be chained to a pillory the old professor did not in the least understand what was happening but when he noticed how extremely agitated the mistress of the house and her friends seemed he nearly wept and trembled with fright but he would rather have died than leave nastasia philipovna at such a crisis for he loved her as if she were his own granddaughter afanasy ivanovitch greatly disliked having anything to do with the affair but he was too much interested to leave in spite of the mad turn things had taken and a few words that had dropped from the lips of nastasia puzzled him so much that he felt he could not go without an explanation he resolved therefore to see it out and to adopt the attitude of silent spectator as most suited to his dignity general yepanchin alone determined to depart he was annoyed at the manner in which his gift had been returned and although he had condescended under the influence of passion to place himself on a level with ptitsin and ferdishenko his self-respect and sense of duty 
now returned together with a consciousness of what was due to his social rank and official importance in short he plainly showed his conviction that a man in his position could have nothing to do with rogozhin and his companions but nastasia interrupted him at his first words ah general she cried i was forgetting if i had only foreseen this unpleasantness i won't insist on keeping you against your will although i should have liked you to be beside me now in any case i am most grateful to you for your visit and flattering attention but if you are afraid excuse me nastasia philipovna interrupted the general with chivalric generosity to whom are you speaking i have remained until now simply because of my devotion to you and as for danger i am only afraid that the carpets may be ruined and the furniture smashed you should shut the door on the lot in my opinion but i confess that i am extremely curious to see how it ends rogozhin announced ferdishenko what do you think about it said the general in a low voice to totsky is she mad i mean mad in the medical sense of the word hmm? i've always said she was predisposed to it whispered afanasy ivanovitch slyly perhaps it is a fever since their visit to gania's home rogozhin's followers had been increased by two new recruits a dissolute old man the hero of some ancient scandal and a retired sub-lieutenant a laughable story was told of the former he possessed it was said a set of false teeth and one day when he wanted money for a drinking orgy he pawned them and was never able to reclaim them the officer appeared to be a rival of the gentleman who was so proud of his fists he was known to none of rogozhin's followers but as they passed by the nevsky where he stood begging he had joined their ranks his claim for the charity he desired seemed based on the fact that in the days of his prosperity he had given away as much as fifteen roubles at a time the rivals seemed more than a little jealous of one another the athlete appeared injured at the admission of the beggar into the company by nature taciturn he now merely growled occasionally like a bear and glared contemptuously upon the beggar who being somewhat of a man of the world and a diplomatist tried to insinuate himself into the bear's good graces he was a much smaller man than the athlete and doubtless was conscious that he must tread warily gently and without argument he alluded to the advantages of the english style in boxing and showed himself a firm believer in western institutions the athlete's lips curled disdainfully and without honouring his adversary with a formal denial he exhibited as if by accident that peculiarly russian object an enormous fist clenched muscular and covered with red hairs the sight of this pre-eminently national attribute was enough to convince anybody without words that it was a serious matter for those who should happen to come into contact with it none of the band were very drunk 
for the leader had kept his intended visit to nastasia in view all day and had done his best to prevent his followers from drinking too much he was sober himself but the excitement of this chaotic day the strangest day of his life had affected him so that he was in a dazed wild condition which almost resembled drunkenness he had kept but one idea before him all day and for that he had worked in an agony of anxiety and a fever of suspense his lieutenants had worked so hard from five o'clock until eleven that they actually had collected a hundred thousand roubles for him but at such terrific expense that the rate of interest was only mentioned among them in whispers and with bated breath as before rogozhin walked in advance of his troop who followed him with mingled self-assertion and timidity they were specially frightened of nastasia philipovna herself for some reason many of them expected to be thrown downstairs at once without further ceremony the elegant and irresistible zaleshev among them but the party led by the athlete without openly showing their hostile intentions silently nursed contempt and even hatred for nastasia philipovna and marched into her house as they would have marched into an enemy's fortress arrived there the luxury of the rooms seemed to inspire them with a kind of respect not unmixed with alarm so many things were entirely new to their experience the choice furniture the pictures the great statue of venus they followed their chief into the salon however with a kind of impudent curiosity there the sight of general epanchin among the guests caused many of them to beat a hasty retreat into the adjoining room the boxer and beggar being among the first to go a few only of whom lebedeff made one stood their ground he had contrived to walk side by side with rogozhin for he quite understood the importance of a man who had a fortune of a million odd roubles who at this moment carried a hundred thousand in his hand it may be added that the whole company not excepting lebedeff had the vaguest idea of the extent of their powers and of how far they could safely go at some moments lebedeff was sure that right was on their side at others he tried uneasily to remember various cheering and reassuring articles of the civil code rogozhin when he stepped into the room and his eyes fell upon nastasia stopped short grew white as a sheet and stood staring it was clear that his heart was beating painfully so he stood gazing intently but timidly for a few seconds suddenly as though bereft of his senses he moved forward staggering helplessly towards the table on his way he collided against ptitsin's chair and put his dirty foot on the lace skirt of the silent lady's dress but he neither apologized for this nor even noticed it on reaching the table he placed upon it a strange-looking object which he had carried with him into the drawing-room this was a paper packet some six or seven inches thick and eight or nine in length wrapped in an old newspaper 
and tied round three or four times with string. Having placed this before her, he stood with drooped arms and head, as though awaiting his sentence. His costume was the same as it had been in the morning, except for a new silk handkerchief round his neck, bright green and red, fastened with a huge diamond pin, and an enormous diamond ring on his dirty forefinger. Lebedeff stood two or three paces behind his chief, and the rest of the band waited about near the door. The two maidservants were both peeping in, frightened and amazed at this unusual and disorderly scene. "'What is that?' asked Nastasia Filipovna, gazing intently at Rogozhin and indicating the paper packet. "'A hundred thousand, replied the latter, almost in a whisper. "'Oh, so he kept his word! There's a man for you! Well, sit down, please. Take that chair.' I shall have something to say to you presently. Who are all these with you? The same party? Let them come in and sit down. There's room on that sofa. There are some chairs, and there's another sofa. Well, why don't they sit down? Sure enough, some of the brave fellows entirely lost their heads at this point, and retreated into the next room. Others, however, took the hint and sat down, as far as they could from the table, however feeling braver in proportion to their distance from Nastasia. Rogozhin took the chair offered him, but he did not sit long. He soon stood up again, and did not reseat himself. Little by little he began to look around him, and discern the other guests. Seeing Gania, he smiled venomously, and muttered to himself, "'Look at that!' He gazed at Totsky and the general with no apparent confusion, and with very little curiosity. But when he observed that the prince was seated beside Nastasia Filipovna, he could not take his eyes off him for a long while, and was clearly amazed. He could not account for the prince's presence there. It was not in the least surprising that Rogozhin should be at this time in a more or less delirious condition. For not to speak of the excitements of the day, he had spent the night before in the train, and had not slept more than a wink for forty-eight hours. "'This gentleman is a hundred thousand roubles,' said Nastasia Filipovna, addressing the company in general. "'Here, in this dirty parcel. This afternoon Rogozhin yelled like a madman that he would bring me a hundred thousand in the evening and I have been waiting for him all the while. He was bargaining for me, you know. First he offered me eighteen thousand, then he rose to forty, and then to a hundred thousand. And he has kept his word, see! My goodness, how white he is! All this happened this afternoon at Gania's. I had gone to pay his mother a visit, my future family, you know and his sister said to my very face, "'Surely somebody will turn this shameless creature out!' After which she spat in her brother Garnia's face. A girl of character, that! "'Nastasia Filipovna!' began the general reproachfully. He was beginning to put his own interpretation on the affair. "'Well, what, general? Not quite good form, eh? Oh, nonsense!' 
here have i been sitting in my box at the french theatre for the last five years like a statue of inaccessible virtue and kept out of the way of all admirers like a silly little idiot now there's this man who comes and pays down his hundred thousand on the table before you all and in spite of my five years of innocence and proud virtue and i dare be sworn he has his sledge outside waiting to carry me off he values me at a hundred thousand i see you are still angry with me gania why surely you never really wished to take me into your family me rogozhin's mistress what did the prince say just now i never said you were rogozhin's mistress you are not said the prince in trembling accents nastasia filipovna dear soul cried the actress impatiently do be calm dear if it annoys you so all this do go away and rest of course you would never go with this wretched fellow in spite of his hundred thousand roubles take his money and kick him out of the house that's the way to treat him and the likes of him upon my word if it were my business i'd soon clear them all out the actress was a kind-hearted woman and highly impressionable she was very angry now <laughs> don't be cross daria alexeyevna laughed nastasia i was not angry when i spoke i wasn't reproaching gania i don't know how it was that i could ever have indulged the whim of entering an honest family like his i saw his mother and kissed her hand too i came and stirred up all that fuss gania this afternoon on purpose to see how much you could swallow you surprised me my friend you did indeed surely you could not marry a woman who accepts pearls like those you knew the general was going to give me on the very eve of her marriage and rogozhin why in your own house and before your own brother and sister he bargained with me yet you could come here and expect to be betrothed to me before you left the house you almost brought your sister too surely what rogozhin said about you is not really true that you would crawl all the way to the other end of the town on hands and knees for three roubles yes he would said rogozhin quietly but with an air of absolute conviction hm, and he receives a good salary i'm told well what should you get but disgrace and misery if you took a wife you hated into your family for i know very well that you do hate me no no i believe now that a man like you would murder anyone for money sharpen a razor and come up behind his best friend and cut his throat like a sheep i've read of such people everyone seems money mad nowadays no no i may be shameless but you are far worse i don't say a word about that other nastasia filipovna is this really you you once so refined and delicate of speech oh what a tongue what dreadful things you are saying cried the general wringing his hands in real grief 
i am intoxicated general i am having a day out you know it's my birthday i have long looked forward to this happy occasion daria alexeyevna you see that nosegay man that monsieur au camélia sitting there laughing at us i am not laughing nastasia filipovna i am only listening with all my attention said totsky with dignity well why have i worried him for five years and never let him go free is he worth it he is only just what he ought to be nothing particular he thinks i am to blame too he gave me my education kept me like a countess money my word what a lot of money he spent over me and he tried to find me an honest husband first and then this garnier here and what do you think all these five years i did not live with him and yet i took his money and considered i was quite justified you say take the hundred thousand and kick that man out it is true it is an abominable business as you say i might have married long ago not garnier oh no but that would have been abominable too would you believe it i had some thoughts of marrying totsky four years ago i meant mischief i confess but i could have had him i give you my word he asked me himself but i thought no it's not worth while to take such advantage of him no i'd better go on to the streets or accept rogozhin or become a washerwoman or something for i have nothing of my own you know i shall go away and leave everything behind to the last rag he shall have it all pack and who would take me without anything ask garnier there if he would why even ferdishenko wouldn't have me no ferdishenko would not he's a candid fellow nastasia filipovna said that worthy but the prince would you sit here making complaints but just look at the prince i've been observing him for a long while nastasia filipovna looked keenly round at the prince is that true she asked quite true whispered the prince you will take me as i am with nothing i will nastasia filipovna here's a pretty business cried the general however it might have been expected of him the prince continued to regard nastasia with a sorrowful but intense and piercing gaze here's another alternative for me said nastasia turning once more to the actress and he does it out of pure kindness of heart i know him i found a benefactor perhaps though what they say about him may be true that he's an we know what and what shall you live on if you are really so madly in love with rogozhin's mistress that you are ready to marry her hm? i take you as a good honest woman nastasia filipovna not as rogozhin's mistress who i good and honest yes you oh you get those ideas out of novels you know times are changed now dear prince the world sees things as they really are that's all nonsense besides how can you marry 
you need a nurse not a wife the prince rose and began to speak in a trembling timid tone but with the air of a man absolutely sure of the truth of his words i know nothing nastasia philipovna i have seen nothing you are right so far but i consider that you would be honouring me and not i you i am a nobody you have suffered you have passed through hell and emerged pure and that is very much why do you shame yourself by desiring to go with rogozhin you are delirious you have returned to mr totsky his seventy-five thousand roubles and declared that you will leave his house and all that is in it which is a line of conduct that not one person here would imitate nastasia philipovna i love you i would die for you i shall never let any man say one word against you nastasia philipovna and if we are poor i can work for both as the prince spoke these last words a titter was heard from ferdishenko lebedeff laughed too the general grunted with irritation ptitsin and totsky barely restrained their smiles the rest all sat listening open-mouthed with wonder but perhaps we shall not be poor we may be very rich nastasia philipovna continued the prince in the same timid quivering tones i don't know for certain and i'm sorry to say i haven't had an opportunity of finding out all day but i received a letter from moscow while i was in switzerland from a mr salaskin and he acquaints me with the fact that i am entitled to a very large inheritance this letter the prince pulled a letter out of his pocket is he raving said the general are we really in a madhouse there was a silence for a moment then ptitsin spoke i think you said prince that your letter was from salaskin salaskin is a very eminent man indeed in his own world he is a wonderfully clever solicitor and if he really tells you this i think you may be pretty sure that he is right it so happens luckily that i know his handwriting for i have lately had business with him if you would allow me to see it i should perhaps be able to tell you the prince held out the letter silently but with a shaking hand what what said the general much agitated what's all this is he really heir to anything all present concentrated their attention upon ptitsin reading the prince's letter the general curiosity had received a new philip ferdishenko could not sit still rogozhin fixed his eyes first on the prince and then on ptitsin and then back again he was extremely agitated lebedeff could not stand it he crept up and read over ptitsin's shoulder with the air of a naughty boy who expects a box on the ear every moment for his indiscretion end of part one chapter fifteen Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.